we have been discussing a series called like Got Milk. You know, the word of the God, sincere milk of the word, the real deal, no 2%, 1%, watered down. That's why most of Christian church are, are weak and not strong and not healthy because they want 1%, 2%, or God forbid, we want skim milk. No baby comes out of the mother's womb and says, I, I'd like to have 2%, Mom, if you don't mind. <laughs> the baby says, I'm doing my very best to bust out of this diaper, and the only way I can do this is the pure, full strength of Mama's milk. Why in the world do we want to settle for less when it comes to the Word of God? Why in the world do you want 1% skim milk or 2% with the Word of God? Not going to do it. And if you was here about a month ago, I gave you 2%, which was every other word. I gave you every third word, and I gave you every fourth word in the Bible, and none of it made sense. So when I left you last week, and I'm going to apologize last week, I got on a roll. And I was here a long time. Some of you that did not have a beard had a beard when we left. <laughs> but we've been dealing with loaves and fishes. So because of, we have a mathematician back there, Philip Norton helped us, we figured out that Matthew 14 comes before Matthew 15. Thank you for that information. Took him a while from Long Grove, but, you know, we're all alumni here. So Matthew 14, so here's the story. Loaves and fishes. But I got somewhere to go with this. Jesus takes 5,000 men, Andreas, head of households. So that means 5,000 husbands, 5,000 wives, and a truckload of kids. There could be 35 to 55,000 people at this setting. He takes, he asks, we, we set this up. Little boy, Padeon, about seven years old. All he has in his pocket, he has five club crackers, Crestnos, barley crackers. Barley is the grain of the poor. The boy's poor, but he's carrying a snack, and he's got two sardines about that long. It's his snack. He surrenders it over, and Jesus says, you know this. This is what happens. He takes it and multiplies it, blah, blah, blah. 12 basket left over, and we went to wine, 12 baskets, and we're not doing that today. Matthew chapter number 15, Jesus almost does the same thing. But now then, he has seven little crackers, and the Bible says, a few fish. A few fish. And he feeds 4,000. So now then, after feeding the 4,000, as we left you last week, they get in the boat. And they're going somewhere else. They're going to Magdala to see Mary. I don't have time to tell you about both instances, but both these times they're about to be shipwrecked. They're going somewhere important. One is to the Gadarenes, and one is to go find Magdala and marry the Magdalene. So they're going somewhere, very important. And they're having this discussion, and they forgot bread. Of course, they forgot bread the second time. So watch what they said. That we forgot bread, and Jesus said something. And this is what he said. We read this last week, and this is so important. Matthew chapter number 16, verse 11, it says this. Jesus said, these guys in the boat, they're in the boat. And he said, I was not talking to you about bread or loaves. Why don't you understand? I'm telling you to beware of the yeast or the leaven, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The breaking of the bread and the breaking of the fish for the 5,000 and the 4,000, he said, I'm not even talking to you about loaves. I'm talking to you about leaven. And this is where I left you last week. God had the ability to take and divide and expand five crackers and, and two sardines to feed 50 to 60,000 people. But he says, so in the same way, a little bit of leaven has the ability 
to expand and feed in the same proportion. Leaven, when it's placed in false prophets and false teaching, not only it does not prosper the health of the soul of people, it poisons people. He's not talking about how to divide loaves and fishes. You've got to get that out of your brain. Turn to somebody and say, quit thinking that. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that even though you just watched me expand something, a little bit of something, and feed thousands, he said, the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees does the same thing. Instead of promoting health, It'll poison you. So when we left you last week, the, I gave you this, this, this storyline of how important is this. Whatever comes from this pulpit, it has to be accurate, and it has to be true, and it has to be validated, and that's why I put it on screen. Take it home, put it in a science project, put it under a, 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 a Brunson burner, put it through a litmus test, and if it won't stand scrutiny, it's not the gospel. I don't want your theory. I don't want your ideas. I don't want any of that. I appreciate you, but the word of God must stand, and it'll stand alone. And so all along, Jesus is not saying, I'm here to teach you how you can multiply fish and how you can do that. He says, I'm not even talking about that. I'm not even talking about loaves and fishes. I'm talking about leaven. And we found out, if you're not careful, this explains why a lot of you are messed up. Turn to somebody and say, oh, now he's... He's hurting my feelings. You're messed up. And how can you get messed up? And when we left you last week in the nicest way, and this is what I want to show to you. Watch this. You would be amazed. Remember the loaves and fishes? You would be amazed. And after they, they fed everybody, and Jesus said, gather all the fragments, gather all the pieces up. Matthew chapter number 14, verse 20. Gather them all up, and they got them. This is what happened. You would be amazed of what can do with your life if you'll just simply bring it to Christ even though it's in a thousand pieces. You don't have to have it together to come to Jesus. Don't wait, Mark, till you get it together because you'll never get it together. When are we going to learn that? You'd be amazed of the same principle as it was with the loaves and fishes they took these things and they broke them in thousands of pieces. And Jesus said, is everybody finished? And said, we're finished, but they're still in thousand pieces. And he said, bring all the fragments to me and I'll show you what I can do. If you'll just bring me your lives. And even though this morning it's in thousands of pieces, he can do great things. So just bring him what you have. Just bring it to God. Say, here, I'm a mess. You won't shock him. I don't know how to put my life together. Congratulations, you finally figured that out. Just bring it to Christ. So here it is. Everything you know. So that's kind of the concept. The problem that we found out in Matthew 14 and 15 was this. Jesus was speaking about false teachers. False teachers. False teachers are, are not going to a church where the guy is wearing a red suit and got a pitchfork. Because as we said last week, the Pharisees, they were close. The Pharisees and Sadducees were close. They, they agreed the first five books, and after that, they didn't agree, and the Sadducees didn't believe in any type of angelic resurrections or, or angelic appearances and no resurrections. But the Pharisees did. The Sadducees didn't believe in Old Testament prophets. The Pharisees did. So they disagreed after the first five books. 
But he's telling you that the leaven was, you know, nobody says, hey, come over for lunch, we're having a loaf of leaven. Nobody does that. Come over, I'm going to make homemade cinnamon rolls, or homemade rolls, yeast rolls. You just said it. What's the ingredient? Yeast. And even though that it, the proportion is 100 to 1, the flour, but just a little bit of leaven causes the thing to rise up. So this is why I said last week that some of you have been raised in the church, or you lived in the church, or you worked in the church, or, or you went to church, and I'll tell you what, they messed with you. They messed up your mind. They taught false doctrine. They told you you had to stack your hair a little higher and get your dress a little longer and get that makeup off and get that makeup on and comb your hair this direction. And that's just all works and performance. It has nothing to do with the grace of God. I believe in dressing modestly. You know I combat goofiness in this church. You know that. But I will tell you, at the bottom line is this, that if you're not careful, that even on the outside, it seems like we're singing good songs and the walls are yellow, but if you're not careful, a little bit of a false teaching that will come out of this guy right here can poison you instead of prosper you. And it ain't like standing in front of a Mack truck on I-35. It ain't like when you run over, you run over. It means this little by little, little by little, gangrene sets in. It's like, like sugar diabetes that's out of control. We cut off a part here and cut off a toe and cut off a finger. Little by little, false teaching has this effect on you. Truth. So we found this out last week. So you go, oh, he's just full of beans. No? Well, I may be, but not really. So we found out the story to correlate this whole thing is that we took you to an Old Testament prophet by the name of Elijah. And Elijah, in 1 Kings 18, that he'd done great things, and now he's got this battle at Mount Carmel. You know the story. For you that wasn't here last story, I'll do this quickly. He's done some tremendous things. He stood before armies and kings, and, and I mean God was on his side. And he was Mr. Bulldozer by faith. And so one day he said, you know, I'm sick of this. You, all you, you prophets of, of Baal worshipers and Jezebel and all that, he said, let's just once for all settle this issue who God really is. So they bring about 850, 900 of their, their, their priests to the altar, and they set up a lawn chair. He says to the lawn chair, first time he's really been around them. This is very important. He says to the lawn chair, he said, y'all go first. So they start dancing and hooping and hollering, beating drums, and it's amazing. Back then, you could beat drums and start dancing, and spirit shows up. You might as well laugh. Not too far from the church. Oh, if we can just get drums going and people around the building, the Spirit will show up. Oh, the Spirit will show up. Isn't it amazing that in, 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 in the Christian world that we live in, we got all these Houdinis and all these magicians and all these tricksters in the church, and, and when somebody stands up and says, you know, this is not of God, the first thing you want to say, oh, that's his opinion. They never take in consideration their, their placement with God. Is this honoring God or is this rejecting God? It's amazing. He should have been smart enough to say, you know what? That, that I, I just watched the impossible happen and I watched God come down and consume all your fake prophets and we should repent as a nation. He didn't do that. He just said it's Elijah's fault. You're not listening to me. You're blaming me for your disobedience and I'm not your problem. Sorry about that. You're blaming me for your disobedience, but I am not your problem. I only have you one hour a week. I'm just telling you, God will have no other before him. And if he does, he'll consume it. I was like, oh, you should have heard what pastor said. That's not what I said. The Holy Spirit just told me to tell you that. Well, he told me something different. Well, you heard a demon. 
So now then, that Ahab reported Jezebel everything that Elijah done, including the massacre of the prophet. He killed them all. Watch this. Verse 2. So Jezebel immediately sent a messenger to Elijah with a threat, sent him a letter. And I said this all along. If she wanted to kill him, she'd have sent a guy with a knife, not a letter. The gods will get you for this, and I'll get even with you, you little rat. And by this time tomorrow, you'll be as dead as any of the prophets that you killed. Verse 3. So when Elijah saw how things were, or when he read the letter, he ran for dear life to Beersheba, far in the south of Judah. He left his young servant there. Boy, what a great guy. He took a young minister with him, and he dropped him off at the nearest bus station going nowhere. He lost his mind. Now, if you don't know, Beersheba from Jezreel is 130 miles by foot. Or skateboard, I don't know. 130 miles by foot. He took off in a, in, in a panic. So here's the concept this morning. We're going to finish what we started last week. He stood before Ahab. He stood before all these people. He stood before armies. He never flinched. He never buzzed. He, he buzzed. He raised people from the dead. He cured lepers and all these things. And all of a sudden, Jezebel sends a letter. And he goes, ah! Like Pee Wee Herman. It's all over. And he, and he just... And he just starts running from here south of Dallas to Waco. And by the way, he's got a young guy helping him. He said, you know, I'm going to abandon you as well. You just, I'm just dropping you off at the bus stop, and I'm going on to South Judah, the very end of Judah. He lost his mind. He went nuts. So for you that was here last week, so you said, well, why would he do that? And the answer was this, pay attention. Because this is the first time he ever said in the presence of a false Religion. False teaching. So when I did this last week, the reason why I was a little long-winded, because I, I missed the week before and I had to catch up. You pay me by the hour, and I, I needed to get my money's worth on you. <laughs> last Saturday night, I never talked to Gail about what I'm going to speak on. doesn't matter. I never tell her. She probably don't want to know. If you was here last week, you know, you know I, got, I was really serious with this. Before we went to bed, she said, I want you to look at this. So she pulled up some video or some clips of a guy that's a preacher. And he's local. And uh, I watched it a little bit. And somebody said, well, you shouldn't judge. That's not even in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 6 says, don't you know you'll judge over the angel and judge the world? So don't tell me about judging. You, you don't even know what you just said to me. You're, you're using English words that are in the, in the wrong context. This is why we have a government of societies in balance, because we have judges in the court system. <clears throat> but besides that, that word judge is called a crime. It means to pronounce guilty before you even know the, ver the, 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 the facts of something. So I was looking at this and hearing this, and I was just say about a clergy. I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm just talking about clergy. I can judge clergy because I know them because I am one. <clears throat> I, told guy, I told Gator, I said, that guy's a nut. I mean, every squirrel in our world ought to be looking for him. I mean, he's a nut. <clears throat> and I was listening to him, watching blah, blah, blah. And I'll tell you what, all night, I was up. Now, my little wife had been married to me almost 42 years. She'll tell you, I can sleep anywhere in any position. I can sleep sitting up. I can sleep in the car. I can sleep driving. I can sleep. <laughs> I do my best sleeping while I'm driving. Oh boy said, I, I won't be like my grandfather that died peacefully in his sleep, unlike the other three passengers that were screaming bloody murder before he ran into the bridge. <laughs> so what happens is, all night, 
I got a hold of a false teacher. And little did I realize God last Saturday night gave me a true visual aid of what it's like to be under the teaching of someone that's false. Now, it's not my job to line him out. I'm just telling you, this is the deal. Jesus is not talking about loaves and fishers, how impressive you can be. He said, I'm telling you, beware of the leaven that is found in the church behind the podium. Because it just takes a little to grow and grow and grow and grow. Whether it be pride, arrogancy, dishonor, disrespectful, hatefulness, and all that other stuff, it grows and it grows and it grows in different things in different ways and it grows. The idea was this. He lost his sanity because for the first time he said in a church service that they had dancing and they had drums and they were doing something in the name of religion, but it was false. Never underestimate the power and influence of satanic false doctrines and teachings even in mainstream denominational churches. That's why I take a stand against it all. I love people. You'll find this out in a little bit. I love you, and it's one thing to be young and get it wrong. It's another thing to be experienced and get it wrong and be intentionally get it wrong because as we grow in Christ, we're going to say things and do things and we get it wrong. My goodness, I was thinking the other day some things I said when I first started. I wish I never said that. But I will tell you, just like today, most of the people back then were sound asleep, so they don't even know I said it. <laughs> so this is why you went nuts. You were in a religious service, and we're not even going to name them. But they had, they had a form of godliness, but they denied the power thereof, and the Greek word means they denied the authority of the word of God. And if we're not careful, you've heard me say this a thousand times. Today, music has eclipsed the Word of God. And I love music. I, I, I can hit bad notes just as good as anybody. But if we're not careful today that we get lost in the music and all this and, and, and we leave out the standard of the principle of the Word of God, and we need the Word of God to be our standard in our life. This is what happened to Elijah. Mr. Bulldozer, unstoppable. So off he goes. You know this story. So off he goes. 135 miles in the wrong direction. So now then, let's finish this. This is found in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 5 through 7. So exhausted, he fell asleep. Can you imagine running for 130 miles? I'm exhausted driving 130 miles. So now that he fell asleep under a, a loom brush or a, a juniper tree, King James, whatever you want to say, and suddenly there's an angel that shook him awake and said, Get up and eat. So he looked around him, and to his surprise, right by his head, there was a loaf of bread baked and some coals on a huge water, and he ate the meals, and he went back to sleep. The angel of God came back and shook him awake and said again, Get up and eat some more. You've got a long journey ahead of you. Now, for you that are going to miss this, it's my job to bring out a few things. This is the first time he's ever had an angel appear to him. Now, you're going to say to yourself, self, that means nothing to me. Well, it should. When he first began, his first thing was the word of the Lord came to him and said, go before King Ahab, which was, was ruthless. He was brutal. He would behead you by just giving him the wrong Father's Day present. The word of the Lord or something in his head. 
Something is harsh. They go to Ahab and say, it's not going to rain. You're, you're a knucklehead. You're a sinner. And by the way, you're an idiot in the nicest Christian way. But it's not going to rain for three and a half years. And he walks off. The word of the Lord said, go to the brook of Cherith or Cherith, and there I'll provide for you. The word of the Lord said, go to the woman of Zarephath, and there and there. And the word of the Lord said, go back to, to Damascus, and you'll find them. And all these things. But it's always been an impression. It's always been this audible voice, if you would. It's always been, is it God or is it gas? But, but he was obedient. But he reached the point in his life, he was so discouraged and so defeated and so messed up by being under a false teaching and a false religious service. Now then, all that is gone. And I'm telling you right now, the Bible says in Hosea that he's married to the backslider. But I'm going to tell you right now, the Holy Spirit and God is telling him that, don't go down there. Don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. And he said, I've had enough. I'm going. I've had enough. I, I, I've wasted my life with you. And he keeps going all the way to Judah. He didn't want to cross over. He wanted to stay in Judah because of the tribes. He got to the point, watch this, where he no longer could hear God's voice. <laughs> this is better than you're responding or either you're guilty of sin. You can disobey God. You walk with God. You heard God. You had a relationship with God. You cried loud. You laughed loud and all these things. And because a couple of things that happened to you and you got around a false teaching and you decided to pick up the church of the vegetarian and all that mess, you got messed up. And, and what about pre-tribulation and post-tribulation and mistribulation and the Antichrist is a 666-555? Listen, no wonder you're messed up because you got, you're entertaining all kinds of devils. Forget it. Your brain ain't that big. In the nicest Christian way. <laughs> this is what you need to understand. Jesus is Lord. And you need to be back to obedience. And, and what happens is, is that you have just run so far that you quit hearing God's voice. And maybe you hear it in the distance, but you're not, you're not, a, you're not paying attention anymore. And he gets down there. And God said, he's not listening to me, so I've got to send an angel. I want to tell you how wonderful it is that God loves you so much, hardhead, that he'll speak to you and speak to you and say, don't act like that and don't respond that way. And for God's sake, don't wave at him with that finger. I mean, just, just especially if you've got a CCF bumper sticker. We're going to put you a Second Baptist Church bumper sticker on your car if you're going to act like that. And, and we just tune it out and tune it out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and all along, the stem of it is that we got involved in someone who did not rightly divide the word of truth. They put a little leaven in this thing. And before long, it began to grow and ferment, and I got hateful, and I got angry, and I got mad, and I got resentful. And then my wrath showed up, and before long, the leaven took over. And then before long, that you begin to act like a crazed prophet of God. And somebody looked at you and said, my gosh, that's, what happened to you? Well, I signed up for, you know, that's why I said, infomercials and TV preachers come on 3 a.m. for a reason, because you'll believe anything at 3 a.m. And you'll tune into that and something that sounds quirky and perky and new and blah, blah, blah. And somebody said, well, you know, you've got all these little quirky things. I don't have anything quirky. It just comes out of the Word of God. And you start buying into that and believing that, and then you're not careful. If you leave the principles of the Word of God, then you start acting like goofy. Hello, boys and girls. I, mean, I don't mean like that, but you know what I mean. So he's in a bad place. Now, what's interesting about this, watch this. 
the angel of the Lord comes to fix him two things. He, he prepares him food and, and he shakes him. And, and what's, some of you have been here long enough, you know this, but for you that don't know this, this word that touched him, the Greek says, excuse me, the Hebrew says the angel touched him. Nagas is a Hebrew word. Now, like Hebrew words like naga, kind of like I just said judge, there are different words for touch. Naga. Naga can be used different ways in context. Naga basically is to, to, to lay hands on you. Okay? So, uh, Mike, don't be afraid. But, but Naga, is, it, which translated back in the New Testament, it, it could be lay hands on you or it could lay hands on you. <laughs> you know, you get mad. I like to lay hands on you. It doesn't mean like I want to hug you. I mean, I want to like, like lay hands on you. Okay. So the angel touched him. So what's really important about this, that, that in this storyline, that he had got to the point where he, he, he was not responding to God. So God had to send a supernatural servant because he was that important to God. Let me, let me clear this up to you right now. You're very important to God. You're very important to God. And you're so important sometimes that even when you're not listening, He'll send someone your way to reinforce his love to you. Mark chapter 16 says this. Mark chapter 16, verse 18. And you shall lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. Now, is anybody here beside me who was raised in the Pentecostal church? Anybody? Okay, don't be ashamed. We're all going through therapy over it. Okay. They've taken this way out of... Uh, I'm, I'm going to look at the drummer. I always look at the drummer. See, the, the drummer, if you don't know this in the music department, the drummer's always the one that's got anger issues. He's the only one I know. We give him sticks, sticks and he can beat on things. So we're trying to, it's therapy. I want, I want to explain this to you, not that you even asked, but I'm going to explain this to you. They shall lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. So first of all, the word sick is a word called, well, we kind of get a word for our roostos, but it means, it means to be uh, ruminating. Rumini is, is, is the root word. It means to be healthy, to be strong, to be vital, to, 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 to be sound and secure. But in the Greek, when you put an A in front of it, it's always negative, like X. It's always negative. Rustos is a word that means frail, fragile, finished with life. Stick a fork in me, I'm done. That's what it means. Now, in the Pentecostal circle, some circles, you say they will lay hands upon the sick and they will recover. I'm not against praying for people, and I'm not against laying on hands on people. I understand all that. I understand the mechanics. I'm not preaching anything against it. I'll pray for you and lay hands on it, but that's not what this thing is talking about. We've just taken that in Pentecostal circuits and circles. I said circuses, but circles, and we've twisted. That's not what he's talking about here. He said, you're going to lay hands upon it. It's a word for naga because the New Testament Greek was the Old Testament until they translated into the New Testament. So naga is the correct word in the Hebrew for this lay hands on. The angel touched him. The angel laid hands on him. The angel touched him. The New Testament, we're to lay hands on the same way the angel touched him. So first of all, he's telling you that you're going to run across people in the church that are fatigued, they're frail, and they're just finished with life. Some of you come in there and say, you know what? I think I'm just finished with life. I'm so far from God. I used to know God, but I've been on the run. I went to that church and that church and that church and heard that prophet and sent that money, and they all lied. I'm just done. I'm done with religion. Hallelujah. Now you can find Jesus. Religion has got to die. 
So you're going to lay hands upon the sick. So the first word sick is where we get a word for absolutely, they're not healthy and they're not strong. It's kind of where we get a word for athanase, where we get a word for asthma, out of breath. So he said, you shall lay hands upon those who are sick. Lay hands is a word called epitithomy. Epi is upon or around, and tithomy means to place. When you put it together, it means to place or to fold the arm around someone. You get, to, you get to a place, you get to a place, you love God, he's a youth pastor, and all these things that happen, and things happen, and life goes on, then he, then he just... He just, he just absolutely, not necessarily him, but he just absolutely gets to a place where I'm done, I'm finished, it's not working out, they lied, this didn't happen, that didn't happen, I saw through behind the curtain that it's, there's no wizard, it's all magic tricks and pulling rabbits out of the hat, and I'm finished, I'm done. So, so what happens is, not that he's mad or aggravated, it's just the fact that we all get to a place where, you know, I don't know, what's the use? Has anybody beside me ever felt like, what's the use? And so we just kind of get to that place. And the Bible says, if you ever run across someone that looks a little frail, looks a little fatigued, looks like they're just finished, they need to recover. The word recover is a word called therapeutic, where we get a word for therapy. And therapy is close to the word of healing, eomai, and healing means completion through increments. Therapy. Eomai, gifts of healing, or offices of healing, not healings, but healing, G-I-F-T-S, it means plural, gifts of healing. Healing is singular, not like y'all all. It's just gifts of healing or offices of healings. And then there's also working of miracles. Working a miracle, Simeon, is instantaneously, but healing is not. It's the same word, basically, as therapeutic or therapy. So I went, several years ago, I went, I had, a, I had a bad headache for a long time, right up in through here somewhere. So finally I broke down with the chiropractor, Tony Lemons, nice guy. And I said, I want to tell you straight up, I'm having migraines, and, and, and he said, does Danny divorce still go to church? And I said... He does, and he said, well, that's it. Get rid of him, or your headaches will leave. So, so he said, well, lay down there. So I laid down there, and immediately he started down there, on, down there in the back part of my back, down here. And I said, I said time out. That's, that's not my brain. It hurts here, not here. See, I was trying to tell him how to run his business. He said, you don't understand I'm going to start here, and then I'm going to work my way up. Therapy. I'm going to pop that bone because that bone is connected to that bone, and the rib bone's connected to the gizzard bone, and the gizzard bone's connected to the bladder bone. So the church I went to years ago, hold your knee up there. So the church I went to years ago, <laughs> you all right? Yeah. The church I went to years ago, I mean, you come in and I feel a little depressed. See, Brandon Webb sits up here all the time, and I can sit here all day long. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I just, we'd come to the door, and, and, they look at, and they look at you like, oh, you got a devil. Oh. 
boy, they jerk you down there and they start shaking you and oh, they put WD-40 on you and they just, you know, and not making fun of a lot. And they would expect overnight, they say, how do you feel? And I said, I don't feel any different. Boy, I mean, somebody else come along and grab you. They'd jump you like a rat on a Cheeto. I mean, they'd be all over you. And little did they realize that wasn't healing or therapy. When will we realize that the greatest healer in the church is that when we come across someone that is fatigued, frail, or just finished, that we've got to do exactly what the angel of the Lord did to the man of God. He just folded an arm over him. And loved him. And I'm not telling you this morning that he's going to be completely healed with this left arm over him, but when he comes back Sunday, I'm going to have him up here and I'll say, Well, we're going to try the right arm on you. And little by little, the angel of the Lord touched him and told him, God's not finished with you, he's got great plans for you. God's not interested in your past. He's interested in your future. I told Jamie when I first met him, I always remembered the windshield in your car is three foot by six foot and the rear view mirror is three inches by six inches. And by those dimensions, it ought to tell you where our focus needs to be. It needs to be four. Revelations 2 and Revelations 3, the angel. Write this letter unto the angel of the church. The Greek word for angel is agalos. It means pastor. Usually, whatever the pastor is, that's what the church is. Now, I have a few exceptions here. But if the pastor is kind and gentle, generous and gentle, usually that's what the congregation is, and that's what you are. You're a great people. So this is the word of the Lord today for you. The greatest healing agent in the church is the gifting of you being an angel, a messenger of God, a supernatural servant of God on the lookout for men and women that have lost their way and men and women that have been discouraged and men and women that are just tired of life itself. And before you let them go, you just put your arm around them and say, you know what, I'd give anything to have curly hair like that. Your life matters. You are loved. You're making a difference. Lay hands upon the sick wherever you go. And watch them recover. That's the story of Elijah and the angel. And it turns out pretty good. Father, there's, there is none like you. There is none like you.
we've been disobedient. We've often turned our back. We've often gone our own way. We've often drove the bus for many of our friends to follow us to Beersheba, so far away from the place of God. We feel finished. We feel like a failure. We are wore out. Life has a way of just wearing us out. But we know one thing this morning, you love us. And you're constantly by the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Father, as I go through my work week and my day, I, I sometimes just kick myself so often because of things I could have done and should have done and would have done. But I'm just so thankful this morning that sometimes when I'm not listening to you, you'll send an angel my way to remind me that my life is important, that my life has made a difference, and that my future is bright. Father, you know more than I know how many times I've walked in this building that absolutely that had been depleted because of things and situations. But you have had angels to meet me at the door and shake my hand and hug my neck and, and respond and say, I just want to tell you this morning that your life has made a difference in my life. And, and Father, I pray this morning that we as the body of Christ, that we would practice exactly what the angel did to your man. We would just fold our arm over them and love them. We don't have to give them a lecture. We just love them. Because you have plans for their life. So thank you for loving us that you will send people our way, whether it be a phone call, a handshake, or a card in the mail to remind us we're still on your mind and in your heart. There's none like you. So Father, in this place, there's no leaven here. It's just true words of God. And your word declares that in your presence there's great peace and tranquility there's divine health. And I pray for healing this morning. I pray for therapy to begin. Some of you have been in a bad relationship. Some of you have been through a divorce. Some of you have been through financial disaster. Some of you lost your best friends. And I understand. And the list goes on and on. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you're in the right place. We love you. God has plans for you. So, Father, let us fulfill the Great Commission. Let us love one another in Jesus' name. And all the people of God said, Amen. Amen. If you believe that this morning, give the Lord a praise offer. Stand to your feet if you would, please. Huh? Turn about three people and give them a big old hug and say, Listen, I like you. At first, I had some questions about you, but I love you.
lay hands on you. Yeah. There's nothing like laying hands on someone to reinforce your love for their life. This morning as we celebrate Holy Communion, for those that are visiting here, we celebrate Holy Communion every week because we've been commanded to. It's not a religious thing. We've been commanded to. And it's a reminder of the body and the blood of Jesus. So in English language, it means this, that every time I take the cup and I, and I celebrate the bread, it reminds me of the goodness of Christ in my life. And I don't know about you, but man, I need some good news from time to time. He loves you. He's with you. And your life, Spencer, your life is so important that he has absolutely sent angels your way to remind you. Brandon, your life is so important as the man of God that he has put supernatural servants in your path and you don't even know it. What's funny about this is this, that when Elijah woke up, he never saw the angel. And little do you realize that God has sent spiritual angels your way to remind you that God has a future for your life. So Jesus sat down with his disciples and he took the bread and he lifted it up and he said, for 1,500 years you've been celebrating this ritual, the Passover bread, the bread without leaven. But he said, now then I am the bread of life, which my Father sent down from the heavens. Jesus Christ became broken that we could be whole. Remember, he left us in peace, not in pieces. And then he took the cup, which is the third cup that night, the cup of redemption. And he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the Lamb's blood. But he said, now I am the, the Lamb which take away the sins of the world. And my Father will take this blood and place it in the shape of a cross. And as often as you take this bread and drink this cup, it will remind you of me. So, Father, before we leave this place this morning, let Jesus be glorified in this place and help us to love one another. In Christ's name, amen.